presented by Syntax Advisors. Welcome to ETF TV, your insight into the world of exchange-traded funds, issuers, and investments. I'm Margaret Arikova, and joining me today is Bruno Stein, Senior Vice President, Head of Brazil at Global X ETFs, and Deborah Fer. Bruno, Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So Global X has been in the news a lot lately in good ways. Um, this week, we saw how the acquisition of ETF securities in Australia is in flight. We also saw how Global X has been selected to, by the government in Colombia and the World Bank to launch the first fixed income ETF in Colombia. And of course, you joining as the head of Brazil. So today we're going to focus on you, Bruno. So welcome. And I'd like you to share with us the backstory of how you got to this current role. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, Feeling very lucky, right? Joining with this type of news is always a, is a great thing. It's a great start. Uh, to be honest, uh, the reason uh, that I that I accepted the role and I'm very very super excited about it, very happy, is that I think and I believe that uh, the value proposition of Global X ETFs and model portfolios and etc. and the way that it uh, seizes the type of structure of advisory and etc. that the market has, uh, bringing advisory and good investments to clients in the end. Uh, is actually the best uh, the best way that uh, we've seen by far in the world. It's a catalyst for for the development of the market, for education, for democratization, for access, for making products cheaper, for making the allocation of the whole much cheaper, so much more efficient. So I've always been a firm believer in ETFs. Uh, I started getting involved with that uh, by running the office of BlackRock in Brazil when back in the days when when we met as well, Debbie, and uh, this was when. Uh, BlackRock was acquiring iShares and uh, the whole entry of the market. And so I spent like five, six years there working on the, on the ecosystem and with the exchange and et cetera. Then I left for five years and I was working in advisory. So I was on the other side of the trade. Uh, and now very, very happy to be back. I think this is the best way to foster and develop the market. So you talked about local ETFs in Brazil. What do you see as the opportunity for local ETFs? Yeah, I think that ETFs, the size of an opportunity ETFs is all about how much the benefits and the qualities of the product will kick in. Uh, and I think that because the market in Brazil is a little shallow in terms of number of securities and et cetera, and because local traders are very aggressive, and also because the futures market and derivatives here because of B3 greatest work that they've been doing over time, uh, does limit to some extent uh, the local ETFs. Uh, to be honest, I think that the conventional ETFs uh, have a hard time because, I mean, obviously there's a couple of indices that have already been uh, consolidated. Those ones, the ETFs are out there already. Uh, and to be honest, I think that the creation of new indices in a proper uh, technical way is not so easy. So for me, the big opportunity in Brazil is actually the cross-listing, is bringing the, the benefits that the market and obviously the ETFs uh, that are available in the global market have for the Brazilian investors, to be very honest. Exactly. And maybe you can tell us what are ETF BDRs, why were they created, and what's the potential? BDR is the local version of what in the U.S. is called ADRs. So it's just a Brazilian depository receipt. So it's just a way, an efficient way, for you to cross-list the products, the ETFs, into Brazil. It, it's not even used only for ETFs. It's used for all the types of assets as well but mostly it's for, for ETFs. And the good thing about the BDRs is that the way it was structured, the, the, the local exchange B3 
and CVM, they were very, very efficient in creating that product in such a way that it's available for the entirety of the market in Brazil. So it's not only for qualified investors, for example, it's for, for everybody. And the other thing that's very important is the way that the, 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 the structure has been defined makes it incredibly cheaper. So we're talking about three, four basis points on top of everything, which is very, very interesting. That's true. So who and how do you think ETF and ETF BDRs are going to be used? And what is the potential for the future in Brazil? Yeah, the great thing about that is that the BDRs of ETFs started in the beginning of last year, um, middle of last year, and they've been already massively adopted. So the good thing is that they've been particularly adopted initially by uh, individuals. So there is a big number of individuals that are already allocated to, to that. Uh, there is a big market for retail brokerage in Brazil, and obviously that helps a lot. And the other thing that I think is happening very well is that the market in Brazil, it's a $1.5 trillion around that in, in size. And it has been in, it has been invested only 1% internationally. And so the way to increase that, and this has been a, great, a big discussion in Brazil, well, how do we increase that? Because savings have been going up a lot. Those savings have been structured in mutual funds and, and kind of hedge funds and family offices and and managed accounts. So there, there's a professionally organized market here. So these professional asset managers that take care of that money for the clients, they need just efficient ways to allocate. So uh, ATFs of BDR are already uh, almost over a billion dollar in size already, which is pretty large for, this, for, the, for, the, for the time that it has existed. There is over 200 uh, uh, ETFs for us listed in Brazil already, which is also great because you need a massive coverage for that. And to be honest with you, I think that it, while this uh, international exposure increases, uh, BDRs of ETFs are going to be taking, I would say, probably at least 50% share of wallet on that because this is what has been happening over the last months in which, uh, during which the, the, the products were out there already. So I think that's number one. The second one, which is obviously where, uh, and we believe that this is going to really, really grow enormously and exponentially is with the development of the fee-based advisory uh, structure in Brazil. I mean, we are not there yet. The market is still uh, working with, uh, I would say, different incentives. But uh, the more we go towards that, obviously, the more adoption it's going to be. I totally agree with you. We've been watching the growth of the BDRs and it's been exciting to see how the number and also assets and they disclose the number of investors. So I uh, look forward to watching your success in Brazil. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we are very focused on the non-conventional ETFs. That's what we want to really make grow here in Brazil. Thank you so much for having me. Debbie, can you tell us about some of the other news in the ETF industry? Sure. So some interesting news came out of the SEC where they've issued a consultation and they're looking at how index providers should be treated. And they're thinking about potentially classifying S&P, MSCI, FTSE as investment advisors. Today, they're considered data publishers. This would be a really big change. Um, so I think that's actually quite new. Um, the other thing is we just have completed the analysis for the flows as of the end of May. And I think it's impressive that we saw just over $80 billion of net new assets globally going into the ETF industry. We've had 36 months of consecutive net inflows. And we did see that this month, significantly more money was going into 
equities again, and also fixed income, but commodities actually had a small net outflow. So up until this month, we had about three months of money going significantly back into gold and precious metals. We actually are seeing people move away from that, which is interesting because there still is the fear of inflation. We still have the conflict in Ukraine. If we look at year-to-date numbers, we see that we're at about 467 billion of net inflows. We're down about 100 billion from where we were at this point this last year. But when you think about what's been happening, it's not surprising that that's the situation. We're still seeing significant new product launches in active space, um, in ESG, and in themes. I think those are probably the key highlights I'd want to mention this week. Thanks so much, Debbie. And thanks again to Bruno for joining us today and to our sponsors, Syntax Advisors, and of course, to all of you for watching. To watch prior episodes and to see news from the ETF industry, visit us at etftv.net. Thank you. <laughs>